Welcome to the Momming with Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Hargrove. On this show, I help moms discover Jesus in their motherhood. I hope this show encourages you in your mom journey. Enjoy the message. Today's message is titled Divine Focus. Moms reclaiming worship in the chaos. And I'm sure some of those words ring a bell, right? Chaos, moms, focus, like what is all that? But reclaiming worship in the chaos is what we're going to be talking about. So as we begin, you know, if we're all being honest, there are so many things that are pulling for our attention daily, such as housework, errands, our kids literally pulling our legs, right? our career, personal goals and ambition, marriage, everything, everything is pulling for our attention naturally. But many of us, including myself and many times have become so caught up naturally in the hustle and bustle that our focus has been tampered with, right? All of us here obviously love God and all of us here want to be closer to him. But how many of us, how many of you right now truthfully feel a little distant? If you don't, great, because that's not our goal. Our goal is to be close to him. But how many of y'all feel like a little distant from him right now? All of us here are in different seasons of life and motherhood, and every season requires so much of our attention. But I want to ask you, where is the priority of God in your midst right now? This isn't a question to say, where's God? Like, what are you like? Where is he in your life? No, this is like, hey, like, looking at your life right now, where is he a priority? What does that look like for you? I truly believe that God's heart's desire for us is to be mothers who have a lifestyle of worship, who are spirit-led, spirit-filled, awakened, and aware of him in our daily lives. And I'll be the first to admit that it's just simply hard sometimes, okay? If I had it my way, this is how my day would look. I would wake up and enjoy a couple of hours in the morning. And that would include hot coffee, Bible reading with my journal, taking elaborate notes and just having these epiphanies from God. It would maybe include a couple worship songs that I just blare on the speakers and just, just feel it with all my heart, which would lead me to heartfelt prayer as I just am stirred by the spirit. And then I would say, okay, I'm going to begin my day put on my clothes, eat breakfast. If I had it my way, that's how I would like it. But the truth is, is that's not always practical for many of us. Could we all maybe wake up at 5am or earlier to do so? Okay, maybe, but okay. I don't know about that, right? If you do that, I applaud you because it's possible, but I'm not personally at that moment, um, in this moment at that place. And all of us are mothers and all of us are tired. So many of us are in the season of like, if I can sleep, I will sleep. (laughs) You know, like I said, I'm not there yet. Something I'm implementing in my life and routine now is I am waking up earlier before the kids. And this is the first time I've tried to do this before, but this is the first time I think it's just the season of my life and my kids age and all these kinds of things. But for me, 630 is my goal now. And I'm able to wake up maybe around 6.30, 6.40, have about 20 to 30 minutes of my Bible time and journaling. And then I get ready and then the kids are up by 7.30. So that's my routine that feels like it's finally working. If I was able to wake up earlier, I would get way more done. Imagine if I got up earlier, worked out, did all that and be Bible, man, I would be super one, but I'm not there yet, right? All of our seasons are different is my point. 
But what if God was wanting to share some truth with us today? What if he said, he's not asking you to do that, that example of 5 a.m. wake-ups, but maybe he's wanting to open your heart and eyes to see that a lifestyle of worship can fit in the beautiful little pockets of your chaotic life. What if he wants to meet you while you're putting on your makeup or on the way home from taking your kids to school or maybe while you're cooking or just 15 minutes before your kids wake up or maybe he wants to meet you here or there. I don't know. What, what if those moments were a great place to start and would create an intimate lifestyle of worship? As I was praying over today's message, I truly felt that God wanted to help us readjust our focus today. We are all caught up in pursuing many areas of fulfillment, but we are missing the true fulfillment sometimes, and that is him. We can choose to prioritize him even in the midst of chaos and enjoy such a beautiful closeness, closeness with him even right now. And I want to ask you, is this something that you are longing for too? This divine closeness. And so today we're going to talk about three points, guys. And the first one is what we really need. Okay. The second one is a lifestyle of worship. And the last one is readjusting our focus. So let's jump into our first point, And that is what we really need. So I am going to read you a a story in the Bible about a Samaritan woman. You may or you may not have heard of this story. It is several verses. It's a story, okay? So it's a little paragraph I have here that I want to read to you. And again, I know y'all might be distracted because you're doing other things and that's okay. Know that God will speak to you. But if you can kind of just hone in like with your ear, even if you're busy, I encourage you to like imagine the story playing out, okay? So again, about a Samaritan woman, I was trying to kind of condense the story, but it's so hard. I didn't want to leave out details of the story. So let me read it. And it is in um, John 4, 7 through 30. Okay. So it says this, it says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Okay. She was going to do a daily task. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. How mysterious, right? But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Obviously, she didn't know that Jesus was him. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband. Jesus told her, I don't have a husband. The woman replied, Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. 
you certainly spoke the truth. Every time I read that part, I'm like, dang, Jesus. He wasn't trying to roast her at all because Jesus is loving, but he was trying to say like, girl, I know you. You don't even have to front with me. I know you. I know your life. I know all that's going on and you're speaking the truth. She says, sir, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it is no longer a where it, it will no longer matter where you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes to the Jews, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The father is looking for those who will worship him that way for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I mean, imagine talking to Jesus and not knowing it's Jesus. Hello. And she's like, so he says, I am the, the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well, ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So I know that was a long winded story. But man, this story, honestly, there have been seasons in my life where this story spoke straight to the core of me. And I remember a very specific time when I went to California, right before I met Homer, that this message like broke me and spoke to me in such a powerful way. But that's for another time, right? But today, as I read the story today, it makes me think of myself, like I said, in many different seasons in my life. And I'm sure maybe some of you hearing it Maybe you relate it to her story in different ways. Here it is. We are all longing for something. We're longing to be loved, wanted, cared for, found worthy. We're longing to be better. We're longing to be a great mom, a wife, to be fit, to be happy, and to be so much more. We are all trying to figure out what we need or what we need to do to find those things. Just like the woman, she was looking to be satisfied but kept failing specifically in the area of relationships. And why? Because she was looking for love in all the wrong places. If you know that country song, you know that country song, right? How many of us are looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places? Maybe it's fulfillment in motherhood and maybe you're trying so hard not to be your mom that you miss learning to become the mom you are called to be. Or maybe you're yearning for fulfillment in your marriage, and but maybe you're just too busy trying to be like another wife that you're constantly blind to the value that you bring as a wife. Maybe it's in your passions or your career, personal hobbies, health, fitness pursuits, your life, whatever it is, maybe in all these areas you're seeking, but do you ever feel like you're never finding, like you're drinking this water and you keep coming back because you keep being thirsty. But what if all of these things can be found sitting right next to Jesus? 
the one who gives this living water that you will never thirst again. What of these things are all rooted in the same source, the same desire that we have to be seen, loved, accepted, and satisfied. That is what the woman was seeking and she didn't find it until she found Jesus. And what's crazy is about this story is she found him on accident. She had an idea of who the Messiah would be, but didn't realize that she was sitting next to the Messiah himself during a daily and mundane task. Do you catch that? During a daily and mundane task, she found the face of Jesus. She went to the well to get water, something she has to do every day. And who was waiting for her? Jesus. And I feel like this shows a loving and compassionate heart of Jesus. He knows we need him more than we know we need him. Does that make sense? He knows that we have the tendency to look everywhere else, but his loving arms, because he knows this, that he knows because he knows this, he chose to go meet her in the middle of her normal routine. And what if Jesus popped up out of nowhere and began rinsing those dishes with you while you were washing them? And he just started having a heart to heart with you. I mean, imagine what if as you were folding laundry and watching love is blind <laughs> that he showed up and started putting all the socks in pairs and said, Hey, do you want to talk? You know, what if he met you right in the middle of the mundane to express his desire to satisfy your every need and tell you that you could stop looking everywhere else for satisfaction and imagine he tells you, I'm the one that you've been looking for. It's in me. And I truly believe that today that is his heart for you, that he wants you to know that he's got all that you need and he has come to meet you right in the middle of the mundane and right in the middle of the chaos because he ultimately satisfies your soul. And it makes me think of a time where um, I had my second miscarriage and I was just so, I was so down. I was so, I was just, I was so upset, right? And I remember going into my closet, not even on purpose, but I was in my closet, makes me want to cry right now. And I put on this song called, He Satisfies My Soul. I encourage you to go check it out. And I put it on and it was just by chance. And I just start crying and weeping. And I'm just like trying to like do stuff in my closet. I'm just like, this is too much. Like, and I just, am just standing there crying to this song that is telling me and reminding me that he satisfies my soul. That even though I was yearning to have a child, I was yearning to conceive. I was frustrated, didn't know the answers, all these kinds of things wanted fulfillment in that, you know, when you want something and you begin to want it so bad, you just begin to almost feel overwhelmed by it and consumed by it. And I was consumed by it. And then when the heartbreak came, I was even more consumed. And in that moment, he reminded me, yes, yes, yes. I hear it all, but let me satisfy your soul. At the end of the day, I satisfy you even over those most precious desires that you have. Hello, beautiful souls. This community thrives on shared stories, laughter, tears, and the strength that we draw from God's word and each other. As we navigate the symphony of motherhood together, our mission is to uplift, support, and empower every mom listening. To keep our sanctuary vibrant and accessible, we are reaching out for your support. Whether you want to 
become a monthly supporter or by giving a one-time donation of the price of your favorite latte. Your generosity helps us continue to bring content that touches the heart, nurtures the soul, and strengthens our faith and fellowship as moms. If our conversations have been a companion to you in your moments of need, joy, your reflection, consider contributing to our cause. Just visit laurenahargrove.com and find the support tab. It's quick, simple, and your support means the world to us and to mothers everywhere. Thank you for being a part of our journey, for sharing your highs and lows, and for mommy with Jesus. Now let's return to today's episode. And so let's move on to our second point, and that is lifestyle of worship. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Isn't that crazy? Like it literally says, whatever you do, I don't know, you know, whatever you're doing, just do it for God. And when you do it for God, for the glory of God, that is a form of worship, right? What if we chose worship to be our lifestyle? How would our life and even our days look and feel different? If you really think about it. What if we didn't just enjoy worship on Sunday morning, but in our daily life, a lifestyle of worship is not just singing pretty songs though, but it's choosing to worship him in the normal. Just like this verse says above, whatever we do, do it for the glory of God. Worship is giving praise to God. We can praise him with song and music, but we can also praise him with our service, our actions, our words, our thoughts, and our choices. What if we became a group here of mothers, and I'm speaking to us, who didn't just profess our faith, but we lived out our faith. I don't want to just believe in Jesus. I want to talk with Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to make decisions with Jesus. I want to mother with Jesus. I want to live in his presence and be filled with his joy. And this kind of closeness comes with intentional pursuit of Jesus in our life with an intention to worship him and seek him out rather than being overcome by all the worries and things to do of life. It truly takes effort, intention, surrender, and even sacrifice, but to enjoy this closeness with Jesus is so worth it. It's just like in a marriage or relationship. If you want closeness with your spouse and you know, y'all have been so busy, what do you have a thought of doing? You know what? We need a date. We need a date night. We need just time, me and you. I want to hang out with you. I want to talk with you. Like, yes, we're living together. Yes, we're cooking together, cleaning together. All that's great. But I want intimate moments with you. And we make time. We are intentional and we make time. Even if that's a sacrifice, maybe you have to pay money for a babysitter. That is sacrifice. But you know that it is worth the closeness that comes from that intention. And even a step further, our pursuit of Jesus gives our children a powerful example. When they see that we are choosing Jesus in the day-to-day, worshiping while we drive, praying while we're washing dishes, thanking God before dinner, sitting down and having devotion time and reading your Bible, they too begin to crave this closeness. They too begin to develop their own closeness with God. They are watching you and they will follow you. And so again, your intention and devotion to God is worth it, reaping benefits for you and your children. So what are some ways that you can be more intentional with your relationship with Jesus? What are some things that you feel that you can incorporate in your life in this season to cultivate closeness with him in the midst of your busy schedule? 
And, you know, as I was thinking about this topic, I wanted to ask y'all if you will be willing to join me this month, the month of March and worship God daily. And that could look different in different ways, because as we talk about worship, worship can be in song and praise, but that can also be um, our lifestyle, such as washing dishes and praising God for it, giving God glory as we mother, even as we change diapers, all of that, when we do it for the Lord is glorifying him. But what if we chose this month together as a group to say every day, I'm going to choose one song. And again, we can worship God in different ways, but let's talk even about in, in worship through song. What if we all picked a song every day? And usually these worship songs are about three minutes. If you find a real good one, it's seven minutes, right? And throughout your days, hey, I'm going to have one moment today, three to seven minutes of just worship where I stop and I just sing the song and I connect intentionally with Jesus. What if we did that together for the month of March? I mean, what would we feel? What would our life look like? What would the daily feel like as we take these small moments to be intentional and worship God and allow worship to be a part of our lifestyle? I know that it will soften our hearts and cause us to be even more sensitive to the Holy Spirit and to cultivate a more intimate connection with Christ. If you're down, I'm down. And we will talk details after this, but in Psalm 16, 11, I love this verse. And it says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Granting me the joy of your presence. When you worship and when you walk with Jesus every day and you have those intentional connections, you are being granted the joy of his presence. It is a joy to be in his presence. And in Psalms 51, 10, Created me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Renew within us, God, a spirit that wants to be loyal to you, that wants to be intentional with you and worship you. And in Romans 12, 1 through 2, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I love this verse because it shows us that it says truly, this is truly the way to worship him by giving ourselves to him, our bodies, our mind being renewed by his spirit and to be renewed by his spirit is to be in his spirit, in his presence and intentional with our pursuit of him. And so ending on our last point, which is readjusting our focus, readjusting our focus. So in Matthew 6, 33, it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I believe that it's time for us to take a moment and adjust our focus back on Christ. I'm not saying that all of us here are not focusing on Christ, not at all, but rather that there might be many things just trying to distract us from the fullness of his presence. Sometimes we just get things flip-flopped and we don't even realize it. We're praying for everything and putting God in his kingdom second sometimes. But the first, the verse above says, first seek him, live right, and then he will give you everything you need. 
He flips the script. And sometimes that's how God works. And sometimes we flip the script and we end up feeling frustrated and overwhelmed because we are focused on the things that we need and the things that we want. But God is saying, whoa, 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 come back, reel it back in, focus on me and my presence and my kingdom first, because God knows what we need. He's got our back and he just desires us to put him first. Because at the end of the day, let's look at it this way. This life will fade of the, uh, fade away. All of those to-do lists, all of the things you need to clean, girl, okay? All of our worries will fade away. All of our ambitions, all of the material things we work so hard to get. And at the end of it all, Jesus will be all that is left because he will be and always has been all that we need. So why focus entirely on those things when we should just give Jesus his rightful place in our life? And that is the center of it all. And in Revelations 2, 4 through 5, this is a heavy hitter verse here, but it says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. Look at how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. So in this verse, Jesus is specifically talking to a church. So it's not just like this verse saying, hey, Lauren, hey, you, hey, you, you don't love me anymore. It's not like an individual verse, right? He's speaking to a specific church who did great things, but he was like, hey, you're doing great things. You're serving me, but your focus has started to go elsewhere. Your focus is more focused on what you're doing for me, on this, on that, but you have lost your first love and that is me. And how many times though, as Christians, do we get so caught up in everything else that we lose our focus? Like, wait a second, Jesus, you are my first love. I wanna come back to the pureness and simplicity of my relationship with you. Does that make sense? So the reason I shared this verse is because I feel like it can be very applicable to many of seasons of our life where we just get it twisted. Does that make sense? And I have been there for myself too. And, you know, when we first, most of us, when we first found Christ, we were on fire and in love, right? Time goes by, business happens, and we get caught up and off guard. But maybe Jesus is just simply trying to draw us back in today. Maybe he's reaching out and gently moving our chin and face back to him to lock eyes with his eyes of passion and love. When I imagine Jesus's eyes, I literally just imagine fire, passionate, fiery love when I look into his eyes. And it makes me think of the story of Peter. If you heard that story before, he got caught up with the winds and the waves when he stepped out of the boat to meet Jesus. When he took his eyes off of Jesus, he sank. But when he was locking eyes with Jesus, he was able to do the impossible and that was walk on water. When we readjust our focus and lock our eyes back on Jesus, we too can do the impossible. We can walk through this life with confidence that Jesus will hold us up no matter what storms we face. So I encourage you to turn your face back to him, to come back to your first and true love, the one who will love you with an unfailing love. And that is Jesus Christ. In Psalms 139, 23-24, through 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And I'm going to end on that verse that 
that we can pray this prayer, like God, just lead me down this path of everlasting life. I want to walk towards you. I want to lock eyes with you. I don't want to be distracted by the winds and the waves and the chaos, but even in the mundane, even in motherhood, in life, in my responsibilities, in my busyness, and all that's going on around me, I realize that maybe I've fallen away from my first love. And I realize again today that you do satisfy me above everything else and I need you. And if that's you, I want to pray with you before we end. And I want to encourage you to have that moment, even of prayer tonight, where you say, Jesus, I want to lock eyes with you. Jesus, I want to open my heart to you. I want you to lead me down the path of everlasting life. And God, I just thank you for your word today that is alive and powerful. And I pray for every mom that heard your word, that you would just remind them, God, that you are right there with them that God, that we can choose to live so close with you, that you want to walk with us, that you want to talk with us. And God, we want to live a lifestyle of worship. We want to lift our hands to you, even in the camps. We want to sit next to you at the well, even in our mundane task, God. We want it to be a task that brings you glory. That is a form of worship. And we want to stop and realize, God, that everything else will fade away but you. So God, help us to readjust our focus and to focus on what's truly important. That is you. And we thank you for what you did for us on the cross, for your sacrifice, just to be close to us, for giving it all so that we can have salvation in you. And I thank you for your truth, God. In Jesus name. Amen. I hope you found encouragement today. I'd love to connect with you. You can find me by following Lauren A. Hargrove on Instagram or Facebook. And before you go, can you do me a favor and leave a rating and review for this show? I would greatly appreciate it. And it would help other moms better find the show too. With that, thank you for being a part of our community today. And until next time.